Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hey, I'm Jim Richards. Welcome to Impact Cyber Church. Today, we're going to continue what we started last week. And we started last week talking about the forgotten name of God. And, and again, we're going to make this journey. And, and today, you, you're going to learn about how to actually uh, incorporate the name of, of God, the name of the Lord Jesus, into your prayer, into your exercise of authority as a believer, uh, in a way that actually means something. You know, for so many people, when they say, in Jesus' name, at the end of a prayer, or at the, or at the end of trying to speak something into, into existence, the, the real truth is, uh, it, it doesn't mean anything for most people, and there's a reason why. But I'm going to tell you something. We're going to not just rediscover the name of God, but we're going to rediscover how to walk in that name, how to function in that name. So listen, you really, really, really want to get ready to take some great notes. This is going to help you. It's, it's going to be beneficial to every aspect of your faith, every aspect of your walk with God. And let me mention, before I jump into this, so I won't have to stop. Don't forget... Uh, World Changer Weekend, 20th, 21st, 22nd of July. Every year it's the third Friday and Saturday and Sunday in July. And I'm telling you what, we're going to have a great time, great worship. And I'm going to be sharing an incredible message called Being the Wisdom of God. And it's something I've actually never shared before, but it's something that, that has developed, if you will, for the last 30 years. And, uh, and it's going to very much enrich your life, make your life much more functional, much more workable. So listen, here you go. You ready to dive in? Because today we're going to talk about discovering the name of Jesus. Now, <clears throat> If you grew up around Pentecostals or Charismatics or, you know, what they would call full gospel type churches, you know, you would hear this phrase, there's power in the name, power in the name of Jesus. Well, there, there is power in the name of Jesus, but you have to realize something. You know, um, the, the, the potential or latent power within all of God's words within all of God's name, within everything that relates to God, is only actually activated or brought to life when it's mixed with faith. Remember the children of Israel, in the book of Hebrew it tells us that, uh, that you know, they had this promise from God uh, about going, coming out of Egypt, out of bondage, and then going into the promised land. Well, they believed God for part of that journey. And they believed God to get them out of out of Egypt. But along the way, they started doubting and did not believe that God could actually bring them into the promised land. You know, and part of the reasons was because these people, they were soldiers. The Israelites had been slaves, man. They, all they'd been doing is, is, is making bricks. And, and these other people had been trained for battle. Plus, in the land of Canaan, there was the Nephilim. The land of Canaan was overrun with giants. And if you've read my book, Apocalypse, you know that those giants eventually, uh, because of the children of Israel driving them out, went into what we now consider to be, uh, would call Greece. 
And this is where, this is where all of your uh, uh, Greek mythology comes from about the demagogues, because these, these Nephilim um, presented themselves as part man, part God. Well, well, they really were part man, part fallen angel, if you want the truth. But, but anyhow, so the children of Israel, they, they had reason to fear because, man, they got giants, they're powerful giants in this land. And, and the writer of Hebrews says that the word that was preached to them didn't benefit them because it was not mixed with faith. Now, I'm telling you, there are people out there today that are so steeped in, in what they would call the sovereignty of God, and some people even consider this to be part of the grace of God, that they would have you believe you don't have to operate faith. You don't have to believe. You don't have to engage your heart. You know, uh, if God said it, He's just going to make it happen. Well, I'm going to tell you something. You can't prove that anywhere in the Bible. That is just a religious concept that, that is not based in anywhere in the Old Testament, anywhere in the New Testament, anywhere in the life of Jesus. And you're going to see this today. So I'm, I'm not trying to insult you if you, if, if you kind of, if you believe that way, but it's time to understand. God's Word is absolute and true, and it is full of potential power. But just like Paul told uh, in the book of Philemon, he explained that, uh, that uh, uh, you activate your faith whenever you uh, commune with Jesus, whenever you connect with Him, whenever you allow yourself to experience it. And he's talking about something in your heart. And in the Greek, it tells you that that activates your faith. So, so faith has to be activated and the Word of God in you has to be activated or else it's really just, it's just going to be information that's not going to really change your life. You know, <clears throat> when you like I said, when you tack the name of Jesus onto the end of your prayer, but there is no conscious, deliberate faith. There is no conscious, deliberate awareness of why you're using His name or what His name means to that prayer. The truth is, you're trying to work magic. This is, you're, you're not trying to work faith. You're, you're trying to present an incantation as if the name of Jesus magically makes something work. Well, that's just not true. You know, the book of Acts, the third chapter, we have a story. And remember, this was right after Pentecost. And man, we could spend some time talking about Pentecost. You know, Pentecost is where the church was born. You know, the first Pentecost was Mount Sinai, where the children of Israel received the commandments. And, and they heard the commandments and they made mental you know, commitments to the commandments. And this, this was the beginning of them becoming a nation uh, or just like Pentecost for us was the beginning of us becoming the church. And, um, and so uh, Jewish history or Hebrew history uh, tells us that when God spoke the commandments that people heard them in their own languages, because even though they were all Hebrews, they had been, they had, they had been mixed in with the Egyptians. They, they'd started speaking other languages. And, uh, and so when, when God spoke these words, they heard them in their own languages. So we don't get this from a Gentile perspective, but on the day of Pentecost, the reason nobody got all in an uproar about speaking in tongues was because that's exactly what happened on the day of Pentecost, and that's exactly what they were expecting to happen again. The difference was on the day of Pentecost, they heard God's commandments and made a commitment to them. On the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came into us and wrote God's commandments with His true intentions. In other words, being applied by love, He wrote that onto our hearts. And that's part of the new covenant. 
So, so you know, they, there had been some spectacular things happen. This wasn't too long after. Uh, well, it was, it, it was this, all this happened within just a, a, a Pentecost was 50 days after Jesus was crucified. So, so this was within two months of Jesus being crucified and this explosion of life and power. And so, so Peter and John, they're on their way to the temple to go pray. And there was a beggar there and said, you know, ask them uh, for alms. And it says he was hoping to receive something. It says verse six, then Peter said, silver and gold, I, uh, I do not have, but what I have, I do give you. By the way, we could spend a whole lot of time on that. What I have, I give you. You know, the question I have to ask sometimes, are we trying, when we're ministering to other people, are we trying to give them something we don't have? And I mean, I understand that what happens happens between them and God. But I want to tell you something. The more real something is to you, the more you're able to connect that other person with it and, and get, them, get them to receive it. If it's not real to you, if it's not something you have in your own heart, it's very unlikely you're going to be able to minister to somebody else in a way that they're going to be able to, to receive that. So, so Peter says, you know, uh, silver and gold, I, I don't have, but I'll tell you what, I'll give you what I do have. And this is what he said. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the hand. I like this. You know, <clears throat> he didn't just wait for this guy to act. He called him to action. You know, uh, one of my books that people are not too interested in because it's all about personal ministry and people aren't interested in personal ministry, but it's called supernatural ministry. And in this, I, I go through how to lead people in baptism of the Holy Spirit, how to lead people into salvation, how to get people healed, how to take people through deliverance. It is a handbook on how to do personal ministry. And, you know, one of the things I talk about in this book is, is, is people have to act on their faith. You saw this in Jesus' ministry. You know, Jesus would tell a crippled person, get up and walk. Well, you know, he could sit there and say, well, I can't get up and walk. Well, no, get up and walk. He had to believe, and just like whenever they turned, when he turned the water into wine, the wine turned into water while they were on their way uh, to carry it to the person, uh, the, the head of the, uh, of the wedding feast. And that's the way it is most of the time when, when we speak a, a miracle into somebody's life. It doesn't happen while they're sitting there passively. It happens when they activate their faith by Putting works with their faith. By, by, because if you believe it, you're, you're, you're going to do it. So Peter reached out, took this guy by the hand, lifted him up, and immediately his feet and his ankle bones received strength. So he, the Bible says, he leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what happened to him. Now, I want you to understand something. There's reasons that Jesus was able to operate miracles and the early church was able to operate miracles that we just don't understand. See, we think it's all about just getting more anointing and this sort of thing. But you have to remember, these people knew who God was. The, the name of God was not foreign to these people. They knew the Bible. And, and what Jesus did is brought the Bible into context. Jesus showed them that everything God did was, was done by love. And he modeled it. He, 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 was, he was the messenger and he was the message. His life was the, the pow most powerful part of the message because he didn't treat the people the way the religious leaders did and condemn them and beat them down and that sort of thing. So, so 
you have to understand, Jesus, the majority of his miracles, I think um, 14 out of 17 of his miracles or 17 out of 21. I can't remember. I've, I've done the research a number of times. I just hadn't looked at it lately. But the majority of times, it specifically says that it was the person's faith who, that got them healed, not Jesus' faith. Now, Jesus had the faith to preach the Word. Jesus believed the Word. Jesus knew the Word was true. He had that level of faith. But the Scripture is very clear in all of the individual miracles in Jesus' ministry that they happen because of the faith of the person that received. Now, that's contrary to what religion will tell you. Religion will tell you if you'll just pray up enough anointing, you can just go around and get, get everybody healed. If they don't get healed, you just need more anointing. Well, that's, that's not the way Jesus operated. We well, see, this cripple understood the power of the name of God when faith was involved. That, that's something we don't understand. When we read the Old Testament and people taking their sacrifices, we think this was all legalism. It wasn't legalism. They had to be in faith. They had to be trusting God. They weren't there trying to appease an angry God. They were there to express their love and trust for a loving God and connect to Him. And, and, and the priest would actually interview them to make sure they were in faith when they presented their offerings. Otherwise, uh, the offering could not be received. So, uh, so when the apostle Peter speaks to this guy, and he says, in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. Now, he didn't say that in English, and he didn't say it in Greek. He said it in the very same language that Jesus spoke in, that, that Galilean dialect that is very, very close to Hebrew. It's not, it's not actually Hebrew, but it's very, very close to Hebrew. You know, the, the Greek name, Jesus, it's a translation from some Hebrew words. And the G, the J-E, comes from the Hebrew word Yah, which is uh, Jehovah, or which is Yahweh. And the last part of Jesus' name, the S-U-S, the sus, means Savior, Deliverer, Helper, or Strength. We know that you could put those together and you have Yahshua or Yeshua, the Messiah, the Anointed One, who, who, who is God in the flesh. So when this guy heard the, the name of Jesus, God in the flesh, the Deliverer, the Helper, the Strength, and he, and he probably already knew and believed that Jesus had been raised from the dead. And he had probably, since he was there at the temple, he very probably witnessed Pentecost. Now, I know people tell you that Pentecost happened in the upper room. That's a good story, but it's very unlikely that Pentecost happened in the upper room. It probably happened in the temple because, you know, over 5,000 people came to the Lord that day. Well, the upper room, uh, according to people who have been there, will only hold about 40 people. So all, all of this happened, the baptism of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, all of this happened out there right in front, of, as we'd say down south, right in front of God and everybody. And so this, this guy had been seeing all this stuff. He had heard about the crucifixion. He knew who Jesus was. He saw the power of the Holy Spirit uh, uh, come about in Jesus because of preaching the name of Jesus. And he knew what that name meant. And here's what it says in Acts 3, 16. Whenever, whenever Peter was trying to explain why this miracle happened, he says, and his name, talking about the name of Jesus, 
It says, and his name through faith in his name. Now, he didn't say just his name. He didn't say, I just said his name, and because I said his name, and, because, and just because I trusted his name, magically the formula worked, and the guy jumped up and healed. No, his name and faith in his name on the part of the person that received the miracle, it says, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. So his name through faith. That comes back to the thing. Number one, you've got to know who God is. And that is our problem. Today, you know, I'll tell you, there are wonderful churches, wonderful pastors, uh, uh, and, and they're preaching great, positive, healthy messages. But I got to tell you, uh, uh, you know, these people write me. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm in contact with thousands. I'm personally in contact with thousands of people all over the world. Our ministry is involved with millions of people around the world. And I'm telling you, we get letters from people, or, or I have conversations with people who have grown up in church their whole life, don't know who God is. Now, they sort of know who God is. They know a little bit of who God is. Well, you know, what they're able to believe for is a little bit of what God has given us, a little bit of what Jesus did. And what they're experiencing in their life is less than what they're expecting because they don't really know how to operate faith. What am I putting my faith in? Well, through Jesus, the children of Israel, during the time of Jesus' ministry, during the time of the early church, they rediscovered the name of God because they saw it in action. They saw people get healed because the name of Jesus or the name of God was glorified by expressing his love and his kindness and expressing his true character and his true nature. You see, like I say, they had just seen the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They had already, they were, they were seeing miracles. And here's the amazing thing. You know, the majority of the church today rejects a lot of the church rejects even water baptism. Uh, the majority of the church rejects the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The, a greater majority of the church rejects uh, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so we close ourselves off to all of the ways that God is trying to manifest himself uh, uh, through our senses, because that's what we're looking for. I want to see God through my senses. Because you see that average person, they're not going to connect with God in their heart. They, they've, got to, they've got to experience God through their five senses before they'll even open up their heart to receive him. Well, the thing is, when the church tells them that these things don't happen anymore, or that if they happen, they're of the devil, they have closed themselves off and they can't experience the name of God. They can't experience Jesus the deliverer. They can't experience Jesus the healer. They can't experience any of the aspects of God because almost all of them have been considered to be wicked and be of the devil. So I want to tell you something. Uh, at some point in time, the history of the world is going to reach the place where we're going to turn back to the power of God and quit trying to have church like a bunch of uh, uppity, uppity up religious, you know, people because the world's going to reach such a place that we're going to finally realize, I can't do this myself. You know, <clears throat> we talked about this yesterday. And by the way, I, let me just jump in here. I may, not get, I may not get to go where I want to go, but you know, this morning uh, I, was, I was reading the Word and meditating. And so I spent time just meditating on the Hebrew letter, the Vav. Now, the Vav is the number six. It's the sixth letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And the Vav represents 
uh, uh, really man in some ways. The valve is, is, is a connection. It's a tent peg. It's a picture of a tent peg. A tent peg connects things. And the valve is, is how God in heaven through man connects to planet Earth. It's like, it's like taking a tent and, and you stretch it out and you drive a stake in the ground and you, 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 you tie the tent to that stake and that tent then becomes secured to the ground because of the valve, because of, because of the, the, the tent stake. And so, the, you know, the, the valve has many aspects of, of, of messaging in the Hebrew language. And, you know, one of the things, because the valve is number six, it represents the sixth day of creation, which is the day that, uh, which is the day that uh, man was created. It represents the six natural directions, north, south, east, west, up and down. But, he, but you know, every Hebrew word and every Hebrew letter has a, a light side and a dark side. It's a sword that cuts both ways. And, and the dark side of the valve warns us against limiting God to the dimensions that we can understand as human beings. You know, we can understand up, down, north, south, you know, east and west. We can understand that. But so many times we're facing situations that we need something bigger than our understanding, but we tend to limit God to our natural finite comprehension. And I got news for you. Uh, 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 that's called making a God in your own image. That's turning God into an idol in your own mind and making him to be a reflection of who you are. And the problem is God has more than six dimensions. God, ha God has a supernatural dimension that is beyond anything we know in this world. And if we become the ones who, because we know who God is, because we trust God's name, because we take God's name and say, okay, Jehovah Rophi, you are the Lord God that heals, which means you are not the Lord God who mean, makes sick. Jehovah Shammah, you are the Lord God who gives peace. You are not the Lord God who gives chaos and pain and suffering. Jehovah uh, uh, Nisi, you are the Lord my banner. I am under the banner of your protection and you protect me. You don't put me in trouble to test me and try me and prove me. And, I mean, and you just go down these concepts of the name of God and you say, I will not believe anything that rejects or that contradicts who you said you are. You gave me your name so I could know who you are. And then you gave me Jesus who manifests what all of those names look like in real life. So if I believe on the name of Jesus, I have to believe in every scriptural name that God used to identify himself. And the sad thing is, how many believers do I meet that even know any of the names of God? You know, some of them know one or two, but you know what? I, I don't know about you, but uh, I don't, I, my life hadn't just consisted of one or two types of problems that I needed God for. My life has been me facing all kinds of different problems, but I got news for you. There is a dimension of God's character. There's a dimension of God's power. There is a dimension of God's nature that can manifest in you when you connect heaven to earth because in your heart, you believe the truth about God. See, this goes back to the children of Israel. We talked about this yesterday in Exodus 3, 13, 14, where, where, where the children, see the children of Israel, they no longer saw themselves as, as the elect. They never, they no longer saw themselves as the only people in the world that were connected to the creator God. They had lost all that. And they're, you know, they're reminiscent of, of God, reminiscence of God 
was he, he was the God of their fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But see, God said, no, I, I, I am who I am, and I am who I will be, and I am what I am, and I am what I will be. In other words, I never change. I'm not just the God of your fathers. I am still the same God that was with Abraham. I am still the same God that was with Isaac. I am still the same God that was, was with Jacob. And I tell you, we can look back and say, you know, he is the same God that was with Joshua when he fought the giants and with Caleb. And he's the same God that was with Jesus and manifested himself in every way. That is the same God. And I am connecting that God because I'm the valve. I'm the tent peg. I am connecting that God to what's happening right here on earth because he doesn't change. He is who he is. There is no separating who he is from his name and there's no separating his name from what he does. None of those things are ever, ever, ever incongruent. Now listen, I talked to you about this yesterday. And, and again, I have hundreds of teaching videos on our website, impactministries.com, that are there for free. But there are some of you who want to seriously become disciples. And listen, the reason we're confused about God, the reason we're blown by every wind of doctrine, because the real truth is not many believers have ever even had the opportunity to be made a disciple. We learn how to serve at church. We learn how to go to church. We learn how to listen to other people talk about God. But that's not discipleship. That's, that's information exchange. Now, that's important. It has a place. But at some point, we've got to be developed in a way that we hear God in our heart for ourselves. And we are so sure of His voice. We recognize His voice in a way that when we hear it, we confidently follow it. When we hear it, uh, we have no resistance uh, to move in the direction that He's leading us. You know, I could tell you story after story after story in my life and in the lives of other people that experience some of the most phenomenal things, not because somebody else prayed for them, but because they heard the voice of God in their heart and they trusted it and followed. Now, now remember, the word obey in the Hebrew is the same as the word hear, which tells us that we cannot hear what we wouldn't be willing to obey. I'll tell you something, when I know all the names of God, when I know who God is, and I'm experiencing Him in my heart, then there is nothing that I would be unwilling to follow when He speaks it to me. I want to, I want to invite you to get involved with me. I am creating through Impact Unlimited. It's going to be a, a cycle of at least one year. We may turn into two years where we'll have three or four major transformation workshops to walk you methodically through what it really means to connect to Jesus for yourself. You know, I get, I get hundreds of testimonies on a regular basis from people. And I always tell my wife and my kids and my staff, you know what the greatest thing is about this miracle or this healing or this, this miraculous deliverance? You know what the greatest thing is? I didn't have to be there for it to happen. Nobody else had to be there for it to happen. This person learned how to do this because they learned how to hear the voice of God in their heart. Listen, I am going to be offering essential heart physics 
through Impact and Limit, which means this is a $299 program that you're going to go through for less than a cup of coffee a day. And it's going to be part of an ongoing development process uh, whereby you, you make this journey. So I want you to go to moveyourboundaries.com and I want you to get your name on the list. You can't buy anything today. You can't purchase anything today, but you can get your name on the list so that when we open the doors to launch this first transformational workshop, which will be 30 days of transformation through essential heart physics, you will get this and you'll make this journey with me because I'll tell you what, I want you to be the tent peg that can connect heaven to earth. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.